When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Where are all the affordable EVs? That's what we are talking about today, Nathan, on this episode of TFL Talk. That's right, guys. It's really important that you watch this episode because we're going to talk about something that's really important to you. Affordability in the future. That's coming up right now. Sit back and relax or keep driving if you're driving. TFL Talking Cars is on the air, the world's most popular car podcast. Okay, maybe not yet, but we're working on it. So Nathan, we think that a lot of the future is going to be electric, and that's great, but there is a problem. We are now in 2020, heading into 2021, and there still really are no very affordable EVs on the market. This is the crazy thing, and this is something that's been bugging me since the day Tesla really became a big item, and then other vehicles started coming out. They're really expensive, and whatever you guys hear about, oh, well, it's modular, it should be less expensive to actually build an EV. I agree with you, except batteries are extremely expensive. And so is the technology just to mine them and put them together and everything else. But, and I think you'll agree with me, it's becoming less expensive. And as such, we're seeing at least around the world, except for here, less expensive vehicles. That's right, yeah. I mean, in Europe, um, I think it was Renault just released a new model that's gonna start at under, under like $7,000, it's a really affordable model. But in the United States, if you were to go out and buy a brand new EV right now, the most affordable is probably gonna be like the Leaf, right? That's right, and that's the one with the 150 mile range, and that's an absolute base model. And I know what you guys are saying, and Tommy, I mean, we've been here before. You get the rebate, you're right. In certain states, you can get maximum rebate, which is around $7,500 when you combine it with the federal rebate, right? But not every state gets that, and not everybody gets that, and it's a problem. And not only that, but look at it this way. Not everybody buys a brand new car. Sometimes they like to buy used ones. I did that, and, and sh yeah, okay, the prices do drop, but it's still very expensive, especially with vehicles like Tesla. Well, when we look back at Tesla, right, uh, they launched the Roadster in the end of the 2000s, like 08 area, mm. and I think it was like $140,000, $150,000, uh, and the, the rebates back then were insane, like Colorado was offering like a $50,000. This crazy amount of money. Yeah, yeah, the tax incentive on them. Um, and then they launched the Model S, which was still, you know, approaching on hundred grand. Yep. And they launched that in 2012, and it took them all the way up until somewhere around 2017 to come out with the Model 3, which was promised to be the affordable model, but it was still realistically like 45 50 Easily. And then they came out finally with the affordable model for like 
a little hint of time, the $35,000 one, but what happened to that? They've just basically taken it away. And here's the worst part about that. That $35,000 model, that base base model, was kind of a hidden item on the menu. It wasn't right out there in front where you could say, oh, okay, that's the base model. You had to really look for it and good luck finding one. And now Tesla's pulled it. Yeah, they, they've pulled it all together. So our friend Alex Dykes from Alex and Autos, he went out and bought the, um, the base uh, Tesla Model 3 standard range. And it was funny because they had at the time too the uh, standard range plus, um, and it was all software differences. Yep. And when they launched the standard range, they promised like it wouldn't have fog lights, it would have lower quality materials. But as far as anybody could tell, everything was still in place. So even like the front tweeters were in place for the speaker system, but they just had software disabled it. I think the range was software limited. Right. And you couldn't turn on the fog lights. So it was it was the same car, just less expensive. But I think Tesla had to do it because you remember, like they had promised ages ago the $35,000 EV. That's exactly what my point has been in the past where Tesla, and that's where they initially were saying the Model Y would be the entry level, really cheap one after the Model 3. It's not very cheap either. And unfortunately, they're not keeping their promises for very long, but they're doing it just long enough to say, well, we did it. And the problem is, is that the consumer suffers because at the end of the day, you can get a fairly decent hatchback, a commuter vehicle that has a gas engine for a lot less money. Well, that's the pickle too, right? It's such a new technology and it's such a, an advanced thing for people to really wrap their heads around where, you know, I can't simply go to the, f the gas station and fuel up in three minutes. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, may maybe focus a little bit more on that or, you know, plug it in at home and drive it around normally. Um, and to ask someone to switch away from their primary mode of transportation into a vehicle like this and still have to spend upwards of $30,000 is, is a big ask. Now, you did point out something really interesting. I think the future for affordable EVs in the near term is going to be the used market because they depreciate like rocks. Now, you just bought the Leaf. That's exactly it. I bought a 2016 Nissan Leaf uh, fully out the door from a dealership, an online dealership, um, not Carvana, but the other one, uh, CarMax, for just under $10,000. And that vehicle had the larger th 30 kilowatt hour battery, which originally gives you just over 100 miles range. You do lose range over time, especially in those Leafs. Uh, mine is around 90 miles on a good day. It's still good enough though for me to go back and forth to work, to plug in both at my house and over here on, on a level two, which is easy enough to do. Um, the, the thing is, is that that was a really inexpensive vehicle and it's already saved us a couple hundred dollars in gas over the past month and a half. So that's great. Um, when I go to sell it, it's not gonna be worth much at all. And well, that, that's the problem. Yeah, the I problem. mean, it's crazy to think that in 2016, that was probably a 35 MSRP. That's about right. Somewhere uh, there. Actually, mine is the base model S. Yeah. So it has nothing in it except for the big battery. And that one came out to, I think, 29. Yeah. And good luck finding one for that. Yeah. And nowadays you can pick them up for, you know, probably 2016 in the $10,000 range. Easily. Easily. Yeah. So talk, you know, we went from the full price down to a third of the price in three, four years, yep. which is insane. Now, this is great news though, because there are a lot of people out there, I think like you, Nathan, who are looking for a second car or a third car, or they're looking for a vehicle for their kid to take to school. 
And these early generations of, um, I'm going to call them relatively low-range EVs and compliance cars, are just perfect for that. So That's like exactly it. The Leaf uh, Fiat 500e was mm -hmm. like 84 miles. Um, we had that, that smart electric car, which was seriously brilliant. That was like 70 miles. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like nothing. sounds like not a lot. But when you consider you wake up in the morning with the full charge, uh, and typically, on an average day, if you don't drive more than 30, 40 miles, you're never going to stress about running that thing out of battery. And it's right. perfect. Because the other benefit is almost no uh, maintenance, right? The maintenance is remarkably cheap. I actually went online and I ghosted a few people who were you know, a little too serious about their EVs because there's some psychos out there. But in, I was watching to see, you know, what are you guys spending on maintaining just a Nissan Leaf? I mean, not even talking about other vehicles like Tesla. And... One guy said that he spent, over the course of three years owning his, about $700, and most of that had to do with replacing the tires. Wow. Um, the re and, and that's pretty much it. Minor maintenance, a couple fluids, you don't have to worry about engine oil, you don't have to worry about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of moving parts. It's very modular, so things pop in and pop out very quickly. The one issue he had, and the one issue that is really noticeable with these older EVs, is battery degradation. Now, check this out, Tommy. My car had that issue as well, and I was able to bring it into Nissan for free. They had to do a little recall on a little coupling component. Anyway, they were able to also do a bit like a flash where they reprogrammed it to kind of change its thinking in terms of how much mileage the vehicle has. And it turns out that does make a little bit of a difference. I gained a few miles. Did you really? Yes, I did. Wow. And, and here's the cool part. If you get the right year Nissan Leaf used, you can actually maintain a factory warranty on the battery uh, that lasts, I think, up to 10 years. And that factory warranty means that if you go below a certain amount of um, bars in terms of the amount of uh, power it can maintain, you can actually have that battery repaired or replaced by Nissan at Nissan's cost. Well, so the degradation thing is kind of the, the thing that has a lot of potential buyers worried. Yes. And certainly, I think the, the poster child for that was the Nissan Leaf, specifically like the early, early ones. Like yeah, the 2011s. And 11s all that, yeah. and 12s, mm -hmm. yeah. And you see them on Craigslist now, like there's one out in Boulder uh, for four grand. But the reason it's four grand is because if you dive into the pictures, it has like 40 miles of range remaining on its battery, which is easily worth more than the, the price of the car. Oh, without a doubt. And that's actually an interesting thing because there's a whole new business that's rising, yeah. all, not only around the country, around the world, where they're taking Nissan Leaf batteries from various levels of you know 30 uh, kilowatt hour on up, even the 24s. And if there's a crash Nissan Leaf, these companies will go, remove the battery and then do a flash program to put it into your car. So let's say you only have 40 miles left, you go to these companies and I think it's between three and 5,000 bucks, you go and pop that battery in. Now here's the cool part about that. Once you do it, you suddenly have a car that can have up to 150 miles range or even more, depending on the size of the battery you put in there. And still at the end of the day, you're paying about a half or even less than these new uh, EVs that are out there, and that's kind of the thing. You can still save an awful lot of dough by going used, but you still have to go through a lot of hoops in order to maintain that. They need to build much cheaper, much less expensive, I should say, EVs. There's no reason for it now. There's no reason for them not to build much less expensive EVs. And I'll give you an example, Tommy. You and I talked about it before we went on camera. In Texas, there is a company called Candy. Candy is obviously a Chinese company. 
They, uh, but they build very inexpensive EVs, and this company somehow is making them legal for the street. And they have up to a hundred mile and like a hundred and eleven mile range. Although that's kind of questionable, that, that those numbers aren't haven't been verified by any, anybody I know yet. But the thing is, is that okay? They look a little unusual, but these vehicles before rebates around seventeen thousand dollars and change. So realistically, you can get a ten thousand dollar EV with starting at about a fifty mile range and working your way up from there, depending on the model you get. Right. I mean, you have you have that up on the screen, right? Yeah. So there's two models that this company is bringing in. By the way, I th I'm pretty sure about this. I have to verify, but I think Candy is a division of Geely, mm -hmm. so which is a just a huge massive oh, a juggernaut. Yeah. So this is not like uh, some dinky little company. Like this is a they're backed by a real company that owns, you know, a huge percentage of the Chinese auto industry. Um, but yeah. So this is the K27. So there's two. There's a K23 and a K27. The bigger number is the smaller car. So the 27 starts like Nathan had talked about about 17.5. Uh, you're 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 able to um, receive up to $7,500 in the federal tax credit. If you make enough money, this worth. That's the other thing. You have to be at the right level, uh, tax level. Right, and and that this is where like the tax credit thing gets interesting because if you're looking for an affordable EV, maybe you don't even make enough to qualify for that tax bracket. But it it's worth noting that depending on the state, like in Colorado, you could potentially get this little guy after the credits for nine grand, ten grand. Um, it, it goes about sixty-eight miles an hour. Uh, it's rated at, I think, 59 miles of range according to the EPA. It's a little tiny thing. Who knows what, what the safety is like? I, I'm really That's curious. the thing. We don't have any of those numbers at all. Yeah, and how this thing is going to meet federal standards is going to be really curious to see. But 14-inch wheels, has a proper touchscreen. It's got standard backup uh, beepers, standard backup camera, um, and it's 10 grand. But I think the bigger point of this is, yes, it's a little bit of a golf cart, but if they can do it for this affordably, uh, so can other manufacturers. That's exactly it. And it does have lithium-ion batteries. And it does. It does have a modern electric motor in it. It's not like it's running lead-acid batteries or anything like that. No, it's got 18 kilowatt hours of lithium-ion, which is the same capacity that our Smart had. But our Smart was $32,000 brand new. Right. This is half the price. So I'm not saying like it's going to be able to do this kind of level of stuff for 18 grand, but it, it is proof that there are, there are ways to add batteries affordably. Now, for those of you who are curious, we do not know much about Candy in terms of whether or not they have uh, actually been allowed to sell these vehicles yet. I know they are taking deposits. That's the last time I saw their website. Um, in terms of passing DOT safety standards and everything else, we just don't know yet. Uh, I will say that it's my guess, in order to make this thing this inexpensive, they probably had to assemble them here, kind of the same way that Mercedes-Benz does it with their vans or did it with their vans where they would actually get components brought over here and then have somebody in a shop put them together, which technically means it's assembled here so they avoid the chicken tax. Um, that was probably the only way where they can make these things inexpensive. But here's the larger one that Tommy has up on the screen. And the larger one actually has me scratching my chin because, look, I don't like the way it looks, but it's, it's supposed to be pretty roomy and it's supposed to have pretty good range and the price is really inexpensive. Yeah, so this one starts at 27.4, so under 30 grand before the credit. Um, the obviously, state incentive varies, but $7,500 credit federal. So that brings it under 20 grand, depending once again on how much you make. But the specs in this one are much better. So 
41.4 kilowatt hour battery. They're targeting 111 miles of range, which doesn't sound like a lot, but is plenty usable for the vast majority of people. Yeah. Um, it's got seating for four adults. It's got a proper touchscreen. It does look like an iMeve had its way with Darth Vader. I think it is remarkably frightening from the front. Yeah, yeah actually, it t looks a little bit like a smart <laughs> as well. It's kind of got, yeah, it's, it really, you know, this is the thing about electric cars. Another thing that Tommy and I talked about off camera is that there is no reason why with packaging that electric cars can't look really cool, like Blade Runner cool or, yes. you know, retro future cool. This isn't that at all. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, think about it. Your electric motors are tiny and batteries usually are going on the floor. So you have this empty canvas that you can create some really pretty stuff out there. I mean, look at some of the stuff Tesla's come out with or Porsche. Uh, I mean, there's some beautiful electric vehicles out there. Nissan, I think some of their electric vehicles are looking much better now, especially that uh, Aria that's coming out. I, you know, the thing that really befuddles me about the the, the more traditional automakers and the EVs is that comparatively, and I, I'm no expert in supply chain and, and you know the way that a car is fit together in terms of the, the, the overall design and how it works in assembly, but it, it, it seems like to me it's, it's far simpler to design an EV than it is an internal combustion engine. I would agree. Yeah, because like these EVs, uh, you know, unless you're talking about the Taycan, which has uh, three motors and is blending regenerative braking with the standard brake pedal and is all crazy 900 volt system. A standard EV is very simple. You've got you know, a battery, you've got a motor controller, you've got a motor, you've got an onboard charger, you've got a DC to DC converter, and these things sound complicated, but in the grand scheme of things, they're nothing compared to an internal combustion oh, engine. Oh, good. Yeah, consider how many moving parts you have in an electric vehicle. I actually did a count with my Nissan LEAF, and it's basically around 25 moving parts if you're not counting the actual bearings that are inside the wheel, okay, stuff like that. But the point is, is that less to go wrong and almost everything is modular too. Right. So when you're talking about assembly, you're talking about putting together fewer components, you bring in these components which have already been assembled somewhere else. Now granted you do that with you know internal combustion as well, but with less fluids, with, that, with less extra components to make the thing work, you plug in three or four different things and whammo, you actually have propulsion. And that is huge. Look, I'm not saying that I'm only for EVs, I'm simply saying that under the circumstances and considering what some of these companies can do here in the States, there's no reason why large automakers can't build an entry level electric vehicle that is really affordable, especially now that batteries are becoming less expensive. So that's the, that's kind of the key is 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 the battery uh, issue. So when you talk about the batteries themselves, they typically live in a, in a big pack, which is purpose built for the vehicle. But when you dive into the batteries, the little cells themselves, um, be it you know a little pouch cell, mm -hmm. a lot of them look like little double A's. Yeah, those are the same cells across the manufacturer. So they're they're typically um, made by one of a couple companies. Panasonic's so one of them. Panasonic. LG Chem, mm -hmm. and then a, a Chinese company called CATL. Right, which and I believe might be the ones supplying these guys. I wouldn't be surprised. And that's it. Like, like that, this is the alarming thing, is there's really nobody else of, of serious 
uh, you know, worth talking about making the batteries. There was another one called A123 right. Systems, based out of Michigan, actually, um, but they went kaput in about 2012. But apart from that, you know, if you buy even a brand new Tesla currently right now, it's going to have very similar batteries to a lot of other EVs on the market because nobody builds their own batteries. And this is what gets me. If a manufacturer is going to really embrace the future of EVs, they're going to have to build their own batteries because not building your own batteries is like buying the two liter turbo from LG Chem, the same engine that GM's buying, the same engine that Hyundai would be buying. It just makes no sense to me. Tesla is pretty much the only one investing hugely into their own battery tech. Even Ford was like, we're not doing well, it. Well, actually General Motors and LG Chem have a, have a uh, partnership now yes. where they're building the Ultimum, Ultium? Ultium. Ultium battery. Now the Ultium battery is very interesting stuff, but right now the tech is still very expensive, especially if you look at a GMC Hummer, which will have it. But in the future, uh, this battery has less difficult components in order to make it. I think they use um, less of the more difficult components that you have to put together in order to make a lithium-ion battery work, and which is better for the environment, blah, 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 blah. But the whole point is, is that they want to bring battery pricing down. So by General Motors investing into with LG Chem into uh, this ultimate battery, Ultium, battery i can't get it right um <laughs> yep. they they are showing initiative in that and now the rumor is ford is looking at making their batteries they just recently talked about this like within the past 24 hours that they're interested in battery tech as well which is great because the more players out there the more people are researching it that's another way they'll bring the price down by having the market pushed. And here's another thing that's important for those of you who are against batteries because of you know all the stuff that you have to do to put it together. They're looking at other tech in order to create different types of batteries that'll do the same thing. Yeah, and I, I, I like that the GM is making that big push saying, you know, we've teamed up and we're really working on it. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to see when it plays out, how different it will be and how much of that is marketing. Because when it boils down to the fluid that lives in the pack, I really wonder how different that'll be than the fluid that's in the pack of a Bolt. So I know they're improving battery density a lot. Yeah. That's been one of the huge improvements recently, but it'll be curious to see. Now let's talk about the current uh, relatively affordable EVs on the market. So first up we have the Bolt. Which is, I think, the best in its class. You like the Bolt? I love it. I think the Bolt is so much better than the Leaf in terms of drivability, not in terms of packaging, because it's actually a very small car. Right. Um, probably not much bigger than some of those um, uh, candy cars we were just looking at, but the Bolt will soon have a larger brother, which is the EUV or XUV, whatever they're calling it, and it's basically going to be a larger version of the Bolt that kind of has an SUV-ish type feel to it, and that's coming out next year. The issue with the Bolt is, is once again, though, it's a pretty highly innovative vehicle when it launched yeah. a couple years ago, 260 miles range. Yeah. Um, but it looks like a computer mouse for $36,000. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I just don't <laughs> understand. I, I, I don't mind the looks. It's, it's just very generic looking. It's kind of like they deliberately said, you know, let's not make people happy about the way it looks. Let's just make everybody satisfied. Yeah. There's no reason for that. Why not make it look really awesome? Concept cars have been around for years and years and years. We all agree that nobody can ever really build a cool concept car and turn it into a production car, although some car companies have come close. But the Chevy Bolt is not an example of that at all. No, it did not hit its mark. And the other thing, too, is, you know, like you talked about, Nathan, it's such a modular platform. It doesn't really need to be front-wheel drive anymore. Yeah. You know, like the i3 proved another car that they spent bajillions on. You're smart. On. A little EV was yeah. a rear drive. Yeah, the i3 was a rear-wheel drive. Uh, but they're just they're phenomenally not good-looking, in my opinion. And the Leaf is the same way. It's just not a 
good looking car and they could have made it really cool. I like the fact that Nissan's building the Aria because I, I, I like the profile. The front end I'm, I'm still debating on, but I really like the rest of the car quite a bit in terms of, okay, finally they're doing some modern engineering when it comes to, you know, building the exterior. But yeah, the modern Leaf is kind of, eh, eh, it's just a decent looking hatchback. I don't think it's horrible, but the point is there's no reason for it to be decent looking. It could be exciting. Why not make it look you know, futuristic and badass. There's no reason why. So there is one saving grace to these vehicles, which are ridiculously expensive for what you get. Yeah. And that is the available discounts that are, are happening. And this is where they start to be affordable. It, it's hard from our industry because it's hard to compare vehicles after discounts because different dealers will offer different things. Right. Which is why we're so focused on MSRP. But I did find this lease deal because I was poking around online the other day. It's for a 2020 Nissan Leaf S hatchback. That's the small battery. Uh, it's They have both. So they have oh. the you can get the, uh, the the small battery or you can get the S plus so the very base model with the bigger battery. This one is the S plus so it's a 60 kilowatt hour battery, 200 miles of range. But the lease deal at this dealership is $89 a month with $89 down. I think it's somewhere around $10,000 uh, or 10,000 miles per year. That's not bad. So I added it up. It would have cost before insurance and taxes something like. $2,200 to lease this car for two years, plus I believe Colorado gives you back $2,000 if you lease a new vehicle. So you could potentially lease a brand new Leaf because it's going away and yeah. it's not very well loved for a few hundred dollars over the course of two years. Now, of course, you have to you have to title it and you're going to have to pay for insurance and all that. But it, it's pretty incredible. And that's really where some of the value plays come in. Like Bolts, you were shopping for Bolts for a while. New, they're like mid-30s, yeah, high, low yeah, 40s. Yeah, at least. And, and, that, and that's if you didn't get a lot of the features. But what kind of discounts are out there on... Uh, There's not a ton of discounts on the bolt when there should be because right now this past year they've had a major drop in sales with the Chevy Bolt. Uh, it's been dropping off considerably and it's a real shame because as I said in terms of its power system, in terms of its range and its drivability, it's an excellent car. And if you don't care about the way it looks and you don't mind a small car, I drove on around Los Angeles for two weeks. This is um, two years ago at the LA Auto Show, maybe three, year, three years ago. And that had slightly less mileage than the new one. And it was phenomenal in traffic. It did great. And I was able to use the regenerative system on its maximum setting. And I could drive it basically all day long using one pedal. It's like being at Disneyland driving Autotopia or something like that. I loved it. It was great. And now, it was fast. Now, to Nathan, here's another interesting point, which I'm accidentally proving here. Just looking at various dealers in Colorado, Chevy dealers, to try to find a Bolt. The one of the big hurdles, in my opinion, that these manufacturers face is that they're not really selling directly to the consumer. Nobody except Tesla is. They're selling to dealers. Right. And I'm not sure that dealers really want EVs because they don't make any money on the back end when it comes to service. Yeah, they're not going to make a dime on service or very, very little on service. Yeah. I remember actually talking about service intervals with Nissan dealers. And they had a couple special programs, you know, like, you know, and every dealership's different. Oh, okay, yeah, for a hundred bucks, you can bring your car in four or five times a year and we'll change, you know, rotate the tires or whatever. Stuff that is absolutely unnecessary. These cars, and this is the best part, I think, about electric vehicles, that and the fact that you don't have to use gasoline is the fact that there's so little spent on maintenance, especially if you drive them right. If you drive them right and take care of these cars, they can go a long time and you're spending very little money on maintenance. And I spent this year alone, this year alone, almost $3,000 maintaining my Nissan Pathfinder, which, yeah, it's old and I drive the hell out of it, 
but I take really good care of it, and yet I have to put a ton of money to just keep that thing going. I spent $3,000 maintaining a Mini in a month, Nathan. <laughs> I know, and, and, and you're not done yet. <laughs> not you done are not yet. done yet, my friend. So, okay, finally found about $8,500 off um, these bolts, so they're still like thirty-two grand. Um, so talk to me about what it's been like owning the Leaf over the last couple of months. Like, have you ever, first of all, people are gonna ask, have you ever run out of power? Have you ever not been able to find electricity? What's the ownership been like? So, now bear in mind that I'm doing this for one reason. I'm driving this car, or actually I should say my daughter's driving this car. She stole it from me, which, <laughs> which is completely okay. Um, I actually can't drive it right now. I have my foot in a, a big boot, and it's very difficult for me to drive that car because the pedals are kind of close together. So my daughter's like, well, you know, let me start using it. She's in high school, and she absolutely loves it. She's put on, in a month and a half, about 500, almost 600 miles, I think, and we're not even using our um, uh, level two charger at home, which you know basically I plugged in a, a splitter to my dryer, and there you go, level two. Hmm. Um, I, we're just using 110, <laughs> where it, it works every time. I came close to losing, uh, to running out of juice only one time, and that's right when I bought it. I was really ticked off at the dealership because they don't have chargers there at the CarMax. So this thing comes off the trailer, it was living in Vegas at the time, comes off the trailer in Colorado, and it had 20 miles left on it. And my house is about 15 miles away from the dealership. <laughs> and I was kind of freaking out a little bit. And it still made it. And it, 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 it just was initiating crawl mode as I'm coming down my street. Um, and since then, I've taken it to a few different charges. The great thing is states that, are, that have green initiatives have a lot of um, incentives for companies to come in and set up chargers. So Charge Plus, um, ChargePoint, um, Plug-in America, all, all these different companies are here. So if you have a couple apps on your phone, it is really easy to find a charger. Now granted, as more electric cars start hitting the road, these chargers will become you know, harder to find. And I have, I have come across a charger, not too far from here actually, that was broken. Oh. And unfortunately it didn't show me that it was broken on the app. So I got there and it wasn't even on. There's no power to it or anything. And that kind of ticked me off. Uh, that was about a month ago. And fortunately, I was looking at the app. Oh, okay, there's another one that's two miles away. I went to the one two miles away, no problem. Got it charged. But I have a proposal, and I think this would be a great idea. Okay. You, in order to do at least level two charging, maybe even level four charging all the way up to that point, I think that certain gas stations, large ones, that already have the provisions for higher um, output should put chargers in the back of the gas stations in some places. And that way you bring in customers, they plug in their car, they'll come in, they'll grab chips and whatever and go back out and drive their car away. Why not make a fueling station fueling for both types of vehicles? Yeah, that's a great idea. Yep, see, there you go. Send your money to me. It, it's funny because, you know, have you DC fast charged it? Have you used the Chatamo plug yet? Yes, I did once. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I don't want to do it too much because I was told that it's really bad to do it too often because yeah. that actually creates uh, a bigger problem with degradation. It happens faster. Yeah. That's what I hear. But I wanted to try it. So my car at the time was at like 55% or something like that. So I went to the Chad Moe's, actually at a Nissan dealership. You could do it for free there, which mm. is cool. I popped it in and I, came, I went out, uh, got some coffee, came back 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, and it was pretty much done uh, or nearly done. It was at like 89%, 90%, whatever. And I waited a few minutes and I started thinking about it and it's like, I just bought this car and I really don't want to hurt the battery. So I just like <laughs> unplugged it and it was done. So, but, but what I hear is that if you just stick to level two and occasionally use fast charging, 
your battery will last a lot longer. That's what I hear. It depends a lot on, so like on these relatively early electric cars, like 11 through, I don't know, 16 or 17, mm. um, they used a bunch of different battery cooling technologies. Yes. So the Leaf is famously air-cooled. And that's why you see a lot of the degradation issues. It's not so much like the cold weather thing. It's like people Actually, would hot weather too. Yeah, people would buy these in like Phoenix. Yeah, they would drive them on the highway at seventy-five. The battery would warm up nice and toasty, and then they would try to shove like fifty kilowatts of power into them in a fast charger, and that's what would kill the batteries. So if you look at like i threes, which are liquid cooled, they tend to not have the. Uh, the, the battery degradation issues, most liquid cooled vehicles don't, uh, as a matter of fact. But um, yeah, it's it's supposed to be, I don't think you're gonna be road tripping this Leaf much. I don't see that in your future. I've driven it back and forth to Boulder twice. Okay. Now, uh, the approximate mileage uh, from my house to Boulder is around 40 miles. It depends on the route that I take. And my car right now with degradation on a good day is just about 90, it's like 88 miles, I think is what it'll show. Although it always drops right when I start driving, which is typical of EVs. But the thing is, is that I've gone back and forth a few times. I've actually taken it um, to the Colorado Springs and back, and back as well from where, where my house is, which is a slightly uh, shorter distance. And altogether, the car has, for one thing, it sh it's shown me one thing. It doesn't like freeways very much. <laughs> okay. It doesn't like to go over 70. We have up to 75 miles per hour speed limit here in Colorado. Uh, it doesn't like doing that very much at all. And then power drops really quick. I know that on the newer Leaf, which I drove, uh, or the brand new Leaf, it's better on the highway. It, it, it's better at coasting and it has a better um, way of working with the battery to not create as much loss. When you're passing somebody on a highway, so you're going 70 and you have to slam your foot down on the accelerator, man, it's almost like you can see the energy drop right in front <laughs> of you. But my daughter, who drives back and forth, obviously not to school right now because of COVID, but she goes back and forth to where she works and she babysits for this one particular family and then she you know, goes shopping and all these other things and I can keep track, which is really cool. Uh, <laughs> it is, because if she goes to a charger, I can totally see where she's going. Does it have an app? Does, uh, it, does it have an, really, even it, 16? Mine doesn't have the app, Oh, <laughs> which really ticks me off because it's the base model. <laughs> oh, I was so mad because I didn't know that and so I, I went online to the Nissan thing and I put it in my phone. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna be able to tell my car to do stuff on my phone can't do it because it's the base model s oh shoot yeah oh well you know and i even paid for an app which sucks but anyway the point is is that i can still you know if she charges somewhere i can find her not to mention the fact that she has an iphone but anyway the point is is that <laughs> she has been driving all over town putting tons of miles on that car and initially she was going to take my nissan pathfinder and i was going to take the leaf well it's kind of switched and it is a perfect car a perfect car for a teen especially for somebody who doesn't really care about having a really showy car or a really fast car they just need an appliance to get back and forth to, from work to school and to their friend's house oh my god this car is perfect for that and i spent a few bucks on electricity filling it up yeah that's the other thing we should talk about is um, the, the, the cost to go those, whatever it is, 88 or 90 miles, mm -hmm. is so much less than even an efficient gasoline car. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I, did a, I did a test back and forth. I initially thought that it would only take me a couple hours to, to top up uh, in terms of power. It, it took me a lot longer than that. So I topped off on you know, maximum range went back and forth and actually was able to look in my, I have a feature with uh, Excel Energy and everything else here in Colorado. And I was able to see where maximum draw was and roughly figure out what I was taking up because I charge it only at night. And from what I can tell, going from nearly zero, I think I had about 20 miles was the lowest I've had since I brought it 
home. Um, then filling it all the way up, which took a full day, by the way, on 110. <laughs> it takes a while. Yeah. But that amount of time roughly came out to about six bucks. And yeah. that was during, and that went from low draw to high draw because in the morning, uh, we're turning on the heater, we're turning on all our computers, we're turning on all the lights and everything else. So all of a sudden the house is, you know, using a lot more energy. So that's all combined how much that cost me while it was charging. And so it could have been a lot less. At charge point, I spent probably adding, I don't know, 100 miles to it, I would say. I've so far spent about a buck. It's nothing. It's nothing by yeah. comparison. Yeah, and same thing. So that like electric smart car, we had uh, the electricity over the course of a few months. If it was over over 100 bucks, I'd be astonished because it was, it's just so affordable to keep them charged. Uh, and like you said, I mean, that car was funny too because it said, time to go into the dealer for service, and there's nothing to service. Yeah. I mean, the people out there be like, well, you have to make sure that the brake fluid is fine. And yeah, like that, I get it. Make sure that you have brake fluid in it and that you have tread on the tires. But apart from that... By the way, the brakes on my uh, 16 Nissan Leaf are excellent. They're regenerative, obviously, and they work really well, and they're very strong, which is, once again, a perfect thing for a teen who's kind of getting used to driving on a daily basis. I really do, honestly, honestly, and I'll probably write a story on this and ask Nathan or whatever, the perfect car for teens. And my daughter will probably take this thing to college, which will be great, because <laughs> once she does, then I'll be able to buy what I want. So, yeah. which will be not electric, most likely. So, last thing we should talk about before we close is the uh, newest kit on the block, which is the Volkswagen ID4. Yes, I think it's about forty thousand dollars before the uh, the credits. Um, and the ID4 looks to be pretty promising. Rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive options. Range is kind of like the mid 200s. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're starting to get down there, though. But I agree, Nathan. I think in order to see mass adoption, if you're going to get the, for, I don't think you're going to get the average buyer going to sell their primary car. I think you're going to get someone who's looking for a secondary car who might consider an EV, and that car's going to have to be 25 before credit. That's exactly my point. And I, I'm definitely one of those people who sits in that, that demographic. I needed a very inexpensive car that was inexpensive to run over the short term for the next two years. And that way I can have, my wife has a Mini Cooper and she absolutely guzzles gas because she tries to break <laughs> the sound barrier every time she drives it. And then I've got my Pathfinder which gets crap mileage. And I want to get a third truck and in order to do that and, and remove not only guilt, I don't care about the guilt so much, but actual expense. Gas is not cheap, and it's not going to get cheaper uh, anytime soon. I think it's going to start moving up, especially during winter. But the point is, is that I needed a really inexpensive car, and unfortunately, I had to get a used car, which already had its issues. If I wanted to get a new electric car, I wouldn't be able to afford it, and I don't think there's an excuse anymore for that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's a shame. So, ID4 looks promising. You know, yes, you, it does. You could potentially get it, depending on the state, like low 30s, maybe, maybe potentially high 20s, but... You're never going to see the base models. No, but it's going to be cheaper later. Uh, what's going to happen is right now they're being built overseas. Well, the first batch. Oh, that's and right. L later on, they're going to build them uh, in Tennessee, I think. Forgot or, about yeah. that. Yeah, I think they're moving and to once, Chattanooga. Yeah, and once they do, the price will come down and they'll have the base model available. But it's still not going to be even remotely close to what we're talking about in price. Now, overseas, they do have a different ID vehicle, which is much less expensive. But the thing is, and this is the problem, Tommy, this is the other problem. Americans are not very hip to hatchbacks. <laughs> Almost every hatchback in America has been discontinued or will be discontinued, which is yes. a real shame because they're utilitarian, right? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of electric vehicles are 
hatchbacks. And so for Volkswagen to bring over a hatchback already considered not to be very popular and make it an electric vehicle and make it inexpensive, it's a lot to hope for. It's a big ask. It is indeed. Well, let us know what you guys think in the comment section below about the uh, need for affordable EVs. I think that there's big potential here, even if you're a big petrol head or really into gasoline cars, just the cost savings over the course of several years. This allows you to keep your big truck or your muscle car, and then you just drive back and forth occasionally using the electric car, save a ton of money. People are thrilled because they're hugging trees. Everybody's happy. Yeah, absolutely. So let us know in the comment section below what you think. Thank you for listening. If you're listening on our podcast platform, we'll have more TFL talking cars coming up soon. Thanks, Tommy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.